Hi, this is Sean Gladding, and welcome back to the Naked Man podcast. It's hard for most of us to imagine living in a society where religion and politics were entwined so thoroughly as they were in first century Israel. Indeed, that's not even really an appropriate description, as religion, economics, and politics were of a single piece in the first century. Those of us who live in the United States know that the separation of church and state is a founding principle of this nation. And yet, it's clear that religion is the driving force and rationale behind some, if not much, of our contentious political life at the moment. And it's clear that that is why so many people have walked away from the church or rejected the Christian faith entirely. When religious beliefs are used to justify the oppression of minority populations and to only increase the suffering of others, then it's no wonder people want little or nothing to do with them. The tragic irony is that earnest Christians behind such contentious legislation fail to see Jesus' critique of those who did exactly that in his time, as we will hear in this episode. As you know, said Mark, Jesus regularly drew the attention of the local Pharisees wherever he went, and from time to time scribes from Jerusalem would join them to observe what Jesus was doing and teaching. We are all aware that the Pharisees defend the purity code as fundamental to the ethnic and national identity of our people. And, as Yiftak observed, the Pharisees still view Galileans with disdain regarding the vast majority of those unwashed peasants from there as living outside the law of our people, simply because of the necessities of daily life. Many heads nodded at this, and a low rumble of anger came from the corner where Yiftak's friends were seated. And that accusation is no small matter. It raises questions about a person's loyalty to the God of Israel and to our people. Mark looked at Yiftak when he said this, and saw a wave of sadness wash over his features. Adina spoke up. But isn't that important? Haven't we suffered for centuries simply for being Jews? For worshipping the God of Israel and refusing to worship the gods of Rome, of Egypt, of Persia, of Babylon? Even the poorest among us trying to be faithful to Hashem, while the Herodians built cities and named them for our oppressors. She gestured at Yiftak and his friends. Didn't you come here to defend the holy city from the legions camped outside our walls? Yes, the Pharisees lay heavy burdens on our people. But if we just give up the purity code, well, are we even Jews anymore? We might as well just open up the doors of Jerusalem to Rome and surrender. What you say is true, Adina, Mark responded, to a point. But is it not also true that the purity system which the scribes insist protects our identity has also been used to exploit our people? What was supposed to unite us as a people 
has been used to exclude many, some of whom are sitting among us. So when the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus why his disciples violated the oral tradition, the halakha of the Pharisees, by eating bread with unwashed hands, Jesus' response was to say, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Simeon spoke up. Isaiah is particularly harsh in his critique of Israel's leadership in that part of the scroll, calling them blind, unable to read the word of God. And, as I recall, he also describes a coming horror that we ourselves anticipate. I will camp against you, encircling you, and I will raise up siege works against you. Then you will be brought low. Israel's leadership in Isaiah's time failed the people, and the consequence was the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian host. And now we wait to see if history will repeat itself. It will not, called out one of Yiftak's companions. Not while Simon Bar-Giora lives. Our God will not allow his temple to be destroyed again. He turned to Yiftak, obviously expecting him to make a similar declaration. But Yiftak was staring fixedly at the ground. The man turned his attention back to Mark, who began to speak gently. I know that the council have assured you of that, that Herod the Great's temple, the supposed heart of the life of our people, will never fall again. But, as I have said before, Jesus critiqued the temple system for failing the people. You have all no doubt contributed to the temple treasury, the Corbanus, throughout your lives. That was the very thing that Jesus threw back at the scribes after they critiqued his disciples for breaking the commandments of God. He said, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honour your father and your mother, and the one who speaks evil of father or mother is certainly to be put to death. But you say, if a person says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban, that is, dedicated to God, you no longer allow him to do anything for his father or his mother, thereby invalidating the word of God by your tradition which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. Adina said, I'm sure that didn't go down well. No, it didn't, as you can imagine. As you know, the temple treasury is significantly dependent upon wills and vows. The scribes encourage people to make such vows, and when those resources are unexpectedly needed, to care for aging parents, for instance, the scribes refused to release people from their vow. The resultant impoverishment of the elderly of our communities is a nullification of the will of God revealed in Torah.
Rachel called out. But my father said that the Pharisees differed from the scribes on many points. And my mother often told us that the scribes hid their economic exploitation behind their public piety. So, is it really fair to lump the two groups together like you're doing? What your parents said is true, Rachel. But both the scribes and the Pharisees uphold the temple as the symbolic centre of our people. So they're both implicated in the system that oppresses the poor. As that statement hung in the air, Simeon spoke up. Jesus would make that same observation in the very heart of that system during the week before his death. Mark, perhaps you can tell the story of the widow's offering tomorrow evening. Mark nodded his approval of this suggestion and then offered the assembly a blessing. As he took his seat, he noticed Adina and Rachel turn to Yiftak and his friends, and their animated conversation picked up once more. Thanks as always for listening. Between now and the next episode, perhaps you can reflect on the following questions. Much of the contentious legislation being passed in the United States and many countries throughout Europe is rooted in the exact same argument as the scribes. Doing so is necessary in order to protect our national and or ethnic identity or heritage, even if it leads to the suffering of others. What do you think of those elected representatives who write legislation based on their personal religious convictions? How much should the anticipated suffering of others, because of such legislation, weigh in the decision to enact and enforce such laws? What kind of laws do you think would be considered korban today, and what kind of harm do they cause, and to whom? Until the next time.